Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on! Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, House of Mystery number 162, cover date October 1966, cover price 12 cents, cover artist Jim Mooney, edited by Jack Schiff, featuring The Monster Maker of Littleville, written by Dave Wood, art by Jim Mooney, and The Lair of Mr. V, written by Jack Miller, art by Joe Serta. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go! A smog hovers over Littleville. When citizens begin changing into monsters, Robbie Reed becomes Mr. Echo to battle them. Meanwhile, after Vulture steals a valuable statue from the collection of Miklos Agar, they contact Marco Xavier, secretly the Manhunter from Mars, to sell the statue back to him. Confused? Don't worry, I'll be right back with Dr. Husband to explain everything. Sock a gee, what a week you've had. What? Oh my gosh. You know it. I've, I do know it. I had this fantastic weekend planned, yep. right? Uh-huh. No uh, things on Friday, no things on Saturday, yep. time with friends on Sunday. Yeah. And <clears throat> I woke up from my nap on Saturday, mm-hmm. and my ring was missing. My wedding ring. Your wedding band. My wedding band was missing. And I... Spent the rest of the day Saturday, almost all day Sunday, and Monday when I came home from work, tearing the house apart looking for it. And I finally found it. Apparently, Willoughby, Mr. Willoughby. That's the cat. Picked it up, played with it, like knocked it off the dresser, played with it, and then carried it downstairs and 
batted around and it, it was under the sofa in the TV room. Unless on Friday night I took off my ring when we were watching TV and he played with it and knocked it under the sofa, which I think is probably more likely. Although I never take off my ring downstairs. I know. Yeah. Well, if it happened on uh, Saturday morning, it happened under the nose of me who was silently reading in the adjacent room. I didn't hear a thing. Mm. Or pretended I didn't. <laughs> anyway, that, that really put a damper on my whole weekend. I just was so worried. I, I mean, I took apart the... I, I moved... I took apart the dish, the, the the clothes washer. I moved the refrigerator. I moved the dryer. I cleaned out the dryer vent. I did, I mean, everything. I moved almost every single piece of furniture in the house. Just to look. Look on the bright side. Now uh, the house is clean. The house is clean. And I didn't have to lift a finger. Mm. If only when you were cleaning... <laughs> The TV room. I looking did for my ring. run a dust you thing. You had just moved the sofa out of the way. I we would have found. It I right ran a, a wand under the sofa and I didn't uncover I just anything. Pushed it back. That's all you did. Anyway, Is it's it? not your fault. It's not Is your fault. I did. It's, it's my fault. At least you're not spending your week in training. Mm. It's okay. From the project management institute. It's I don't even okay. want to be a project manager. What do you mean? Then why are you taking the class? Well, because, you know, you put it on your resume that you're a project management professor, professional. You, you might want to be a project manager someday. No, trust me. I don't. Oh, okay. I've learned all about it. Oh. No. Who okay. wants... It's all math. Who wants to do that? I wouldn't mind. Well, maybe you should look into it. Okay. You've got the experience. Yeah. And it... Uh, trust me, it pays a lot more than academia. Really? <laughs> yes. Hmm. Panic. In Robbie's hometown, this is Robbie Reed, titular hero of House of Mystery. Mm -hmm. Well, he's not the titular hero because he's not a house, nor is he mysterious. <laughs> but he does have an H dial for which he can dial H for hero. Mm -hmm. And he's the most original character in comic history. That's what they say. I, I could argue with that. Yeah. But uh, can Robbie dial in a superhero to stop the nightmare threat of... The, the monster, monster maker of Littleville. On the cover, we see Future Man. That is hyphenated. Future Man. Uh, he can't crack out of an ice trap that Porcupine Man's also hyphenated. Icicle Quills, also hyphenated, are creating. To clarify, a Porcupine Man is firing icicle quills at Future Man. And it's encased him in ice. Yes. You know, that's so common these days. What, being encased in ice? Yeah. Or just being cold? Uh, being attacked by porcupine men. That's not a common thing. Sure. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I disagree. Did I have not... On the dog's walk today, I was attacked by porcupine men. You were? Yes. You didn't mention a thing. Well, you know, I'm president of the HOA. I can't cast dispersions on our neighbors. <laughs> Even okay. if they are shooting icicle quills at me. Okay. Beware. Take care. Monsters are loose in Littleville. Minutes ago, they were respected men. Now, they are mindless monsters rampaging through the streets. Only one person, Robbie Reed, can stop their destruction. Stop. Stop their destruction. By spinning the magical dial that can turn him into a superhero. And only he can save the town by solving the mystery of... The, the Monster, Monster Maker, Maker of Littleville. This is just like that television program, isn't it? Hmm. The Last of Us. Hmm. People turning into monsters. Mm -hmm. And children saving us all. I can't believe they made a, a television series based on a game. Oh, sure. Why wouldn't they if it's a good game? I guess. 
It is a peaceful day in Littleville mm -hmm. until a dark miasma drifts over the town, an ominous foreboding of dark hours to come. What is it? A smog. I was astonished to see smog. I guess I always thought of smog as a plural noun. I was, but here it's a singular, a smog. It's weird. Because yeah. I have always thought of smog just being smoke and fog mixed yeah. together. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't say, oh, look, a fog. You would just say, look, fog. Right? Uh, I would say a fog is rolling in, but I wouldn't say a smoke. A smog. No, you wouldn't. And so smog being a combination of smoke and fog. fog. I would say smog is rolling in. Right. Yes. Yes. Or smog is hanging over the air. Or I would just say it's smoggy. In. It's smog. But apparently this is the first time smog has been in Littleville. So they... They don't, even, they don't no. even know how to pronounce it. No, no, no. They don't even know how to talk about it. No. Oh. A first time we ever had a smog here, this mm -hmm. lady says in front of the food laundry building. <laughs> laundry building. Oh, no. Food land. I'm sorry. It's food land. Food land. Foodland. Those... It's clearly food land because there's so much space between the two words. words. I'd make that a single word if I were doing the marketing. Well, it could be. Either, see this little bit of, of bleed over there? It could be food landing. It uh, could be. Or food lands. Because we do know Littleville has a port. Didn't they have a port in the last issue? Oh, my. Out spreads the smog. Even covering the suburbs where what? Robbie Reed lives with his grandfather and his mistress, Miss Millie. <laughs> a smog? I hear tell that sometimes a smog can be poisonous. Shucks, Miss Millie. No need to worry. This one will blow away soon enough. And so the smog is ignored. People go about their business. People like banker Clyde Combs. Well, Clyde Combs is about to get a big surprise because he's, he's going to turn into Vincent Van Gogh. And then... <laughs> In that middle panel, don't you think? Into, yes. <laughs> and then into Porcupine Man. Mm. And Quill starts shooting out from his body, attacking the hapless populace of Littleville. He's a monster. And the Quills, not only are they shooting out of his body, but they're exploding. Explosive on impact. Quills. That's awesome. Now that makes for alarming news back in the lab shack you behind Gramps' house. Yeah. Uh, Robbie hears the radio report and realizes only a superhero will be able to handle this. Here I go again. Sakamaji! Um, now, we have a little recap of his origin. He had found this magic dial into a cavern, mm -hmm. but it's never failed him. Whenever there's trouble, he can become any one of a thousand superheroes just by dialing the cryptic letters I decoded that spell out H-E-R-O. So he does it, and instantly Robbie Reed undergoes a magical transformation. Sakamaji, I turned into someone in a wrestling outfit that looks like my body's made of vomit. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I can't figure out if this is supposed... I guess it's supposed to be like a sponge. Yeah, sponge -like it absorbs material. And, then, and then it... Um, and then it... But do you it want to does, take his collar off again? Yes, that cat's been no end of trouble okay. today. Hold on. He jumped up on my lap today and tried to get involved in my training. That's okay. Well, it did give me a 66% on my first practice test. <laughs> He's good luck. Yeah. I like to carry him around a little carrier all day, but I can't have a litter box in my office. No, but you could get one of those... Uh, backpacks with the little bubble 
thing where the cat head goes in, oh, and carry him around so like cool. that. Yes. And then he can just do his business right in the backpack there and you just rinse Ew. it out when you get home. <laughs> you know they would walk in it. He'd walk in it and just pee and poop. Well, sure, he can surely hold it. I don't know. And for a hour you know, or two. I don't like to be called Shirley. Now, Vomit Man, oh, it's actually Mr. Echo. <laughs> Vomit Man. His body enables him to absorb, then reflect forces when he concentrates his willpower. So by deflecting gravitational pull, he's even able to fly. I think that's a great power. It is fantastic, yes. Uh, many superheroes have availed themselves, and supervillains, of just such a power. Mm-hmm. He finds Mr. Coombs in the form of a monstrous porcupine, and there are people trapped uh, within aim of his quills. So Mr. Echo leaps in between and absorbs the quills' explosions and also reflects the explosions right back at Mr. Porcupine. He doesn't want to hurt him. No, just force him back. Forces it back, right? Like the little center panel with all the people saying, we're only alive because of that strange-looking man. He must be another one of those fantastic superheroes. The population of Littleville by now is used to seeing a different superhero every day, sometimes every hour. Well then, Porcupine Man yep. uh, changes his tactics. Yep. The quills take on different powers. Each one is a flaming inferno capable of melting steel. Gulp. He doesn't know if he can... Uh, Echoman doesn't know if he can handle that, but right. apparently he can, and he directs them back, but... He doesn't want them to hit porcupine men, no. so he has them hit the ground, and they catch fire, and it, it gets so hot, it starts to melt, melt the sidewalks. the sidewalks. Wow. Now, That's a power. That's a lot of energy. Maybe you know? he, uh, I mean, maybe Mr. Echo mistakenly increased the heat of the flames. Did you just mess was... up your hair? No, you why? Just, you've got crazy hair. Listen, I've been in training all day. <laughs> I don't have time to worry about my appearance. <laughs> Uh, the molten lava could destroy the whole town, of course. So Mr. Echo is able to, um, punch a hole in the water tower and absorb the water up into his vomit body and then shoot it back down onto the street. Yes, that's what he can do. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Then he darts over to a nearby high tension tower. This is really actually cool. What he does. He charges his body with as much voltage as he can handle. Then he releases it into uh, like rings mm-hmm. of electricity that capture the monster. Yeah. Porcupine men. Suddenly, the monster changes back into poor Mr. Coombs, who has no memory of having and been a monster. And is fully dressed in a suit. Fully dressed in a suit and no memory of being a monster. Uh, what could have changed him into a mindless, rampaging creature? We don't know. Mr. Echo doesn't know either. But Mr. His, Echo's fear is soon justified. His fear after. of someone yeah. else happening, yeah, because here comes Mr. Brody. Mr. Brody changing into a monster. He kind of looks like a Frankenstein kind of uh-huh. wolfman kind yep. of monster. He's That's, just a giant strongman. But he is creature. a monster also. He is a monster also. Uh, horrified cries of the population alert Mr. Echo to the trouble. He leaps into action. Mm-hmm. Now, Mr. Brody here has, uh, also his clothing has become Frankenstein-like. Yes, it didn't get torn, you know, like, like the, what happens to Well, the just look at his shoes. He's got like those giant lifts, like, uh. It looks like there's bolts on them. Yeah. Yeah. Orthopedic uh, corrective shoes. Yes. Yes. 
Mr. Brody picks up a lamppost, rips it out of the ground, thwacks Mr. Echo with it. Mm. But of course, just like an echo, he bounces back. He absorbs the strength of the blow and Bush. So he's able to hit the guy, uh, Mr. Brody, back. But then he, um, um, Echoman, gets a great idea. I mean, really great idea. He decides. Yeah. He goes to a nearby factory where the steel auto parts are stamped out. He yeah. throws himself under this high-powered stamper, is crushed flat with the incredible force, jumps out like a flatman. Yes. And then, as his body begins to... to uh, normal as his body swells with this energy he delivers a ko punch yep to that's short mark. for knockout i think our listener knows that um and knocks him out and then mr what's his face brody Tur- brody turns back to his normal personage he has no memory of what happened nope now here comes mr nosy neighbor he knows what's causing these monster transformations mr robin it's the smog the smog is spreading a freak poison in our air. And they're saying, sure, nothing like this has ever happened until the smog appeared. Yeah, yeah. So Mr. Echo Mr. soars Echo. into the air, which is Robbie Reed. Right? It's secretly Robbie Reed, who's a child genius. Soars into the air with a with a bottle, with a cork, and uh-huh. fills the bottle with with smog. Yes. And takes it to his home laboratory, oh, excuse me, laboratory. Lab shack. Lab shack to, um, to test it, the smog to see. Now, he discovers that the smog is perfectly harmless. Nothing to it. It couldn't be causing the transformations. Just then, Gramps comes to the door of the lab shack. There's going to be a citizens meeting at the town hall. Would you like to tag along? So, at the town hall, Mr. Robon is speaking urgently... Ow, 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 ow. What's happening over there? Kitten's attacking my foot. Oh. Um, So, Mr. Robin says, I tell you the smog is infecting Littleville with an insidious poison. We've got to leave Littleville, or every one of us will turn into a monster sooner or later. But Robin's statement is challenged by Robbie's grandfather, old Gramps Reed. Mr. Robin, you're a newcomer here. (laughs) But the rest of us have lived in Littleville a mighty long time. Good. <laughs> We've got roots here, and we're not going to pull up stakes on your say-so. You going to let that man stampede you out of your homes? Our Littleville folks quitters? There's got to be a reason for those monsters. Let's stay and find it instead of running away. Reed's right! I'm staying! He too! Robbie's so proud of Gramps for being a fighter. I would be too with that voice. That was a really good voice for Gramps. That Robon fella got me riled up. Don't know, but I don't trust him. Somehow I think he's only pretending to be a good neighbor to us all. So for the moment, the monster scare is forgotten as Gramps treats Robbie to a banana split. Oh, wouldn't a banana split be great right about now? I love a banana split. But when they emerge from the soda fountain... Gramps! Oh no! Gramps is becoming a monster! Robbie pretends to be terrified so he can duck into the alley, and he luckily brought his magic dial along in case he had to battle another monster. He dials the secret code H for hero and becomes... He's become a man with great brain power, as man will be hundreds of Hundreds of years from now. I am Future Man. Sorry, what is his name? Future Man. Future Man. That's it, thank you. Uh, 
Only hundreds of years and we'll develop oh. these giant brains. Oh. I can't wait. Something's bound to happen. We won't be alive for it. Well, you never know. What if we, uh, they make an advance in medicine and whatnot? We could live. We could live certainly uh, ha- hundreds, a handful of hundreds of years. <laughs> now, he doesn't want to harm his own grandfather who's attacking the, what does that say? The bourbon shop? Bon 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 bon. What is it? Bon bon. Barber shop. Well, I, I think it's a bourbon shop. I like the idea of a bourbon shop. Me too. Yeah. Uh, Get your bourbon. <laughs> First, he's going to create an illusion that all of the buildings and streets appear very tiny to confuse Gramps. As we all know, olds get confused very easily. Yes, and then he's going to concentrate and emit another mental image. Uh, that the city is gone and that Gramps is surrounded by flying enemies his spikes can't touch. As we all know, olds who get turned into monsters are terrified of other monsters that can't be affected by by your powers. And finally, he'll (laughs) subdue Gramps completely by making him believe he's trapped in a fiery cage. As we all know, all olds fear being trapped in fiery cages. Yes. Minutes later, (laughs) Futureman no longer needs the delusions as Gramps becomes... Gramps again. Gramps Reed. Now this is going to turn the town against Gramps. Gramps Reed, and it was he who poo-pooed the smog. Mr. Robin was right. The town's... Oh, that's... Wait, that's it, the woman, not him. Mr. Robin was right. The town's infected. If we don't leave, we'll all turn into monsters. Now fear, fear of the unknown sweeps like wildfire through Littleville. Uh, can I bring my parakeet, Mom? Shut up. <laughs> You slapped your own face. Just slap your hand. Well, I was trying to. I I go for realism in you my sure sound effects. <laughs> Every time I make a slap sound, I just slap my hand like this. Well, it, I, that didn't occur to me until much later. <laughs> your glasses practically flew off your face. Oh, I know. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> now, Futureman knows. Hurry, we gotta get out of here <laughs> before. Before the roads are jammed with folks leaving town, I gotta get out of here! (laughs) Meanwhile, Futureman knows that the smog is harmless, yet Roban insists it is infecting people. And Gramps thought he was only pretending to be a good neighbor, and Gramps was right. He's gonna just levitate on over to old man Roban's house and see what's what. Shortly, as Futureman approaches the hilltop house overlooking Littleville below... Sakama G. Roban, spelled backwards, reads Nabor which rings a bell in my memory. Now Futureman's great brain evokes a total recall of the past. When I was only five, I saw Nabor's picture in an old newspaper in the attic. Roban had been arrested on a fraud charge. Nabor, boar, now fat and bald. No wonder no one recognized him. And inside the house, old Nabor, Roban, whatever we want to call him from now on, Cannot restrain his exultation. No. Ha ha! Victory! And how easy it was! First, I used a wind machine to blow harmless smog over town. Because it's in quotes. Yeah. Um, when I used this monster-making machine, I bought from an impoverished criminal scientist. Pause. Yes? I'm delighted with the notion of criminal scientists who are down on their luck and just selling off their machines for pennies on the dollar. <laughs> a monster-making machine that he bought from an impoverished criminal scientist. Couldn't he get a patent? 
A machine that creates monsters. monsters. That transforms physical bodies into something else. And their clothes as well. And gives them Costumes powers. Costumes them appropriately. Doesn't just change their appearance. No. It gives them powers. Do you think somebody would, you know, Luther Corps would pay top dollar for that kind of technology. Take a whole planet and turn it into monsters and then take the population of the planet and put them on Earth and take over Earth. Sorry, listener, I know it's LexCorp. Just get over it. Give me a break. I'm improvising. So uh, he's going on and rhapsodizing about his successes. Yes, it's yes, focused yes. invisible ray temporarily turned men into monsters. And then I started the rumor that the smog was to blame. And now people are stamping out a l- stamped Stampeding. Stampeding. It's, oh, it's an awkward line oh, yeah. break. Stampeding out of Littleville. Years ago, when I was run out of Littleville, I swore I'd return for my revenge. Soon Littleville will be deserted. A ghost town that will be avoided like the plague. I've done it at last. I've destroyed Littleville. No, you, Nybor, have destroyed yourself. Littleville will live while you meet your fate in prison. What? You, the superhero I saw through my machine's telescopic sight. Well, this machine does it all. Oh, yeah. You called me neighbor. You know the truth about me? Then neighbor does something that even future men, no, that not even future men could anticipate. He turns the machine on himself. And he becomes not an original monster, but the porcupine monster Mm -hmm. again. He wasn't the porcupine monster even before. Then, Futureman uses a mental image to project a formidable futuristic tank, 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 <laughs> um, between him and his strange opponent. But, uh, unknown to Futureman, Nabor set the machine's dial so it would not affect his mind, only his body. And he <laughs> knows it's only an illusion. So, then he shoots spiky quills in from his monstrous form yes. to uh, ice quills, ice quills to Futureman, and it traps Futureman, and he's going to leave to enjoy the spectacle of people leaving town. You know, I would think that if if you swore revenge on Littleton, yeah, Littleville, yeah, you'd make everybody leave, then ransack their houses. Or, look, if you're really twisted and demented, yeah. make people leave, then burn the whole town down. Yeah. Yeah. Not but, like just that my only goal is to watch everyone leave so right. it can become a deserted town. Or, you know what, just uh, broad spectrum with that monster machine, Ray, and just turn everybody into monsters and watch them... Kill each other. Destroy themselves. Right, and then burn the town down. And then... We'll make sure that you get an ice cream first. Yes, you right. want a banana split Absolutely. and some bourbon. Yeah. Uh, future men. Urban banana split. Oh. Like bananas foster? Yes. Oh, yeah. Totally. Go on. Yeah. You had me at bourbon. <laughs> now, future men's paralyzed by the cold. His body is encased in ice. Nice, yeah. Only his mental prowess is still alert. He understands that he cannot survive more than a few minutes in this terrible cold. Mm-hmm. But luckily, men from hundreds of years and let's say 200 years in the future men will be able to levitate their body Mm -hmm. which he does and crashes himself down on the ground and smashes the ice it's a good thing his body wasn't affected his hands or something you know yeah yeah now uh nabor has reverted to his human form and has gone out to the overpass to enjoy the spectacle of a traffic jam leaving town the long slow move movement of cars leaving town that's like 
And the, look at how they're sob. Sob. Oh, John, I loved our little house, our town. Sob. It's it as if we're leaving part of our lives behind. The smog will blow over. It's the weirdest thing. I'll never get to finish the basement playroom now. Sigh. What? Suddenly, neighbor's car flies into the air. It's Futurman. Who dangles the the levitating car over the highway. And everybody gets out of their cars and he says, People of Littleville, the monster danger is over. This man was your poison. Listen while I explain. Uh... That reminds me of the wild women of Wongo. Mm. <laughs> women of Wongo! Dance! Dance! Soon, with Nabor jailed, the happy refugees return to their home. As for a futureman, his job is finished. Now I can go home too! And later, at home with Gramps, imagine me, <laughs> a monster. <laughs> One thing I'm glad of, Robbie, that you didn't change into someone else because of Nabor. Gramps will never know, but I did change into someone else twice. So we've broken a pattern here. What? And I don't like it. What? Usually Robbie becomes three superheroes in a story, and this time only only two. two. And I didn't like that... Nabor didn't become a unique monster. He came back as the porcupine man. Yes, he should have been something else. Yes, yes. certainly. Um, otherwise, of course, I'm enchanted with Robbie Reed. He's Although we a, did get three monsters. We did get three monsters. One of them was a repeat, but yes. we got three distinct monsters. Um, well, you know, you can practically write a book about what happened to me on uh, on Monday. What? Well, you know, of course, I was just so frustrated about losing my ring. Yes. But I had this doctor's appointment where I had to go, and I've been, I've been um, <clears throat> struggling with um, tennis elbow for almost five months. I've been going to physical therapy, and it hasn't been getting any better. So my orthopedist said, well, we're going to try a procedure which I think really, really works. So uh, why am I talking about this? Because it's so unusual. Yes. Okay? So it's called PRP, platelet-rich plasma okay they take a vial of your blood Uh they spin it in a centrifuge to Mm -hmm. separate the platelets from the plasma they extract the plasma and inject the plasma into the site of inflammation Mm -hmm. which is for me the tendon where the top muscles of the arm attach to the elbow right so that in itself was incredibly painful Mm mm-hmm but I go, you know, I went to the surgical center and they put put me in this little portable x-ray. They found exactly where the where the site of the pain was and he injected the tendon, mm-hmm. which was horrible. Mm-hmm. But, and it, it, very painful, and it was, but, but it's just so interesting. It's still a little swollen today. Yeah. But he said he's seen some great success with this because it's like there's there's like stem cell like cells in the plasma that sits in that concentrated form in that site will cause uh, sort of accelerated um, healing. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't work in all areas. He says, you know, like it doesn't work in sh- uh, shoulders very well, Des- doesn't work in knees, but it seems to work well in elbows and other places. So. Well, yeah, isn't that interesting? That sounds like something Robbie Reed would whip up in his lab shack. Well, I just, I, I just think it's just so very interesting. So there you go. Sorry to talk about my health there, folks, but hey, the procedure was really weird. And 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 if I, if hey, if it, if it works, I've been something I've been messing with for four and a half months will be done.
as a man of a certain age, what else are you going to talk about? Oh my God, right? Oh. Now, in my day, mm-hmm. in the 80s, Adventure Comics, when they brought back the Dial H for Hero feature, mm-hmm. uh, the readers would submit the superheroes Heroes, yes. and right. uh, sign over all rights in perpetuity. But here, it's just, I guess, the writers and editors coming up with the heroes. But people are writing letters in with their ideas for oh, okay. superheroes. Uh, here are some gems. What Insect King can turn into any insect. Okay. Right, that tracks. Weapon Master can create any weapon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Comedy King can make anybody laugh so hard they pass out. Oh, I love that. Wouldn't you? What? I guess. No, I'd rather just have people laugh and then, you know, tip your waitress. <laughs> laser Lad can shoot laser beams from his eyes. Ultrasonic Kid has the powers of ultrasonics. Yes, Light Lad can do anything light can do. Anything light can do, light lad does better. <laughs> this one I like, Clinging Vine Man, who has vines for arms. <laughs> I thought that was pretty obvious. Uh-huh. Uh, the unicorn who has a powerful horn. I bet he does. Uh, and swift legs. Uh, yeah. That's all. I did, That's not really very exciting. I was thinking about our next RPG. Yes. And that if I had the time, I sure would love to become the game, uh, the, the GM. Do it. I, can't, I don't have time to Just learn. Just fucking do it. I don't have time. But I, if I did... And I would do all sorts of wacky things uh-huh. to the people. Like I was thinking that it would be really fun to be a centaur, uh-huh. you know. But then have the like as the GM, I'd have them roll occasionally for like how they bump into things and step on people's feet and stuff like that. And just I was just thinking about all the funny things that I could do to to. Okay, well, I'll just move on. I think we're we're all grateful you don't have the time to do that. <laughs> John Jones, Manhunter from Mars, has vowed to find and capture the sinister chief of the worldwide criminal syndicate known as Vulture. And now at last, a secret mission handed Marco Xavier. A secret mission handed Marco Xavier gives the Martian Marvel his first hope of smashing into the the lair of of Mr. Mr. V. V. As you recall, Martian Manhunter has assumed the identity of Marco Xavier, international playboy, but secretly criminal working in tandem with Vulture, not a member of Vulture because he's a freelancer. Right. Uh, but the press of the entire world blazes with this startling headline, priceless statue stolen, potentate mourns loss, no clues in daring robbery. And in the secret Athens headquarters <clears throat> of the international crime syndicate known as Vulture, Yes, Miklos Agar has had his priceless statue stolen, and he will willingly pay Vulture's asking price for its safe return. $250,000. In today's money, it must be a million dollars. Even a million dollars, if it's that priceless and valuable. Mm -hmm. It seems to be a statue of a... Well, it looks like a little China doll, doesn't mm, it? Some sort of Asian... Well, they would have called it Oriental back then. Oriental Cupid yeah. doll. But it's Asian sort of goddess kind of... Or beautiful thing. It looks like it's made of gold. Yes. 
Uh, now, they, one of the henchmen says it's risky. This is Mr. V, the masked uh, head of Vulture, mm-hmm. speaking to his henchman. His henchman says, isn't it going to be risky contacting Miklos Agar at this time because we've just stolen this? And he says, oh, we don't have to contact him. I'm informed that Marco Xavier will embark in Athens this very week. We can trust him to handle the exchange. Two days later, at the Greek port of Athens, a buzz of excitement runs through the crowd as Marco Xavier disembarks. My word, look who blew into town, surrounded by a bevy of beauties as usual, Marco Xavier, the playboy. If only they knew who I really am, John Jones, the manhunter from Mars. Just then... Yes, yes. Bouquets for the lovely girls, and for you, sir, a special one. Hmm, A special flower for me. Odd. It's a flower salesman handing him a secret message. Mm -hmm. Sensitive fingers probe until they find (laughs) secreted behind the petals a note. The note says, follow me. Mr. V wants you. So he follows him down to the airfield. And uh, the flower salesman commands him to get onto the twin engine plane inside the hangar very well transportation to mr v but the moment marco gets on board he sees that it's just a boardroom mm-hmm. with a television screen he thought he was going to see mr v in person mm-hmm. he's of course trying to discover the identity of mr v uh he fastens a seat belt and here comes mr v up on the Telelexophone and, and the big plane is taken off and it's basically flying on a giant circle. Yeah. Uh, Mr. V informs Xavier that he's got a mission for him to return the uh, quote-unquote missing statue to Miklos Agar. He should be willing to pay $250,000 for its return. No questions asked. You may, of course, expect your usual 10% fee. Mm-hmm. 25 grand? You're talking my language, Mr. V. (laughs) Uh, So, once more, Mr. V urges Xavier to join his organization, but Marco, he prefers freelancing. Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't he? Of course. Juicy 10% cut off every job. Well, 25 grand isn't much to sneeze at back then in this 1960s. I wouldn't. It's better than a stick in the eye these days. All he has to do is deliver a statue and remain alive. Now, a word of warning as Mr. V holds up a 8 by 10 pencil sketch, sketch of the Manhunter from Mars. <laughs> Do you see this man? A word of warning. He is known as the Manhunter, and he has been hounding us of late. Xavier says, Sacre bleu. He's a frightening looking character, isn't he? But never fear. I shall keep a lookout for him. It's interesting that they only call him Manhunter. I wonder if the population at this time is generally aware that john jones is in fact a martian uh probably not i don't i don't know i don't know either uh so john jones knows that the original marco xavier who he took his place after he died was pals with miklos agar so it's going to be easy for him to make contact which he does. The next day, he returns the lovely statuette, and this Agar fellow, uh, I'm wondering what kind of relationship he has with this statue. Because <laughs> he looks like he's about to just stick it into his mouth or something. Well, he's he's, ca- he's coddling it like a cherished 
I don't know gingerly what. caressing it. I know it's weird. So he says, um, he says he would have paid twice as much for her, uh-huh. return, which is such a weird thing, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a weird thing to say to Xavier, right? Right, Marco Xavier, because I, I mean, a criminal would have said, okay, then you <clears throat> will pay double. Yeah, right. Now, outside in the woods, uh, Marco is supposed to return to headquarters with the money, but he's got a better idea. He buries the money in the ground and transforms into the Manhunter from Mars. Soon after, in the headquarters, John Jones bursts in. The henchmen open fire. Of course, bullets are no use against the Martian Manhunter. He's got all the powers of Superman, plus more. Telekinetic powers? Yes, telepathy, everything. Well, hang on to that thought. Uh, Manhunter ties up all the henchmen and uh, leaves, saying that the police will be here soon. Then he changes back into the form of... Xavier, what's the kind of... Marco, Marco, Xavier. Marco, Xavier. Well, yeah, the henchmen first think, of course, that Marco has tipped off the Manhunter because he's the only one that knew where the headquarters was. But he changes back to Marco with the money, comes in, and in his uh, comic book French, Mon Dieu, what goes on? The place looks like it was hit by a hurricane. <laughs> That's French. Uh, so the henchmen say, okay, well, we were wrong about you, Marco. You're not a stool pigeon, but hurry and untie us before the police arrive. So he does untie them, and they take the case, minus his 10%. Right. And um, he follows them to a boat and then dives in the water. I guess he can fast swim in the water. Uh, yes, <laughs> he can probably fast swim, but you know what else he can do? What? Turn invisible and fly. Oh. Can he do it at this point, or has that not been invented yet? I'm certain. I mean, that when I say invented, like hasn't been written into his story yet. In his very original, earliest adventures, he was turning invisible. Okay. So yes. And well, he uh, maybe flies he all the swim. time. Uh, Which maybe. I think would be very difficult to do in those boots because of the scoop on the on the boots. They right. would take in water, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. On the cape. Mm-hmm. Come on. John. Well, he probably just moves the water molecules around him to force himself forward. Also, you know what else he could do? Phase through solid matter. So when they get to their island and descend in an elevator... He doesn't have to tunnel through the earth. No, he's doing like the fast flash spin drill thing. He is, isn't he? Yes. So they go uh, into this island. They go into this below the chain. They take an elevator down to a secret chamber. Yes, yes. Here's Mr. V. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... The henchman explained that it's an emergency. The manhunter is after us. He's smashed into our headquarters. And Mr. V says, but if he found you there, he could follow you here. And just and right John on cue. Crashes John Jones comes through the wall. Uh, you fools, why don't you shoot? Shoot! Gunfire won't stop him, Mr. V. We tried that. He says, maybe this will. And he pulls out. What is that? Like it's oh, like it's, a, it's, oh, it's it's not multiple guns. No, it's no, one no, gun. No. He's waving back and forth, which is shooting lightning bolts. It's like a Nerf gun if it yeah. shot lightning bolts. Deadly lightning bolts. Uh, maybe this time I'll get lucky and this weapon will work. Well, it does because it shoots lightning and catches things on fire. And of course, you know that fire is the deadly enemy of John Jones. Man, out of bars. Yep. 
Editor's note, fire is the sole secret weakness of the Martian Manhunter. Desperately whirling, he punches his fist into the uh, wall-sized fish tank, which contains sharks and things. And the water comes rushing in and putting out the fire. Also, the fish are going to die. But uh, the fire goes out, and John Jones makes a leap for Mr. V to unmask him. Yes, and he pulls it off. And it's not. It's some fat schlub. And Mr. Right on cue, because um, John Jones says, so you're the notorious Mr. V. And then the television monitor comes on with the lexophone. Yep. Lexo, lexophone? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And he says, not quite, Manhunter. Zoltar is only a deputy, Mr. V, one of my regional lieutenants. I'll get you yet, Faceless. I'll get you if it's the last thing I do on Earth. And that's the end. I feel like they're just dragging out this storyline till the magazine gets canceled or something. What? Because last time there was a character that discovered that Marco Xavier was... Uh, Martian Manhunter, but uh-huh. then he got amnesia or something, so he... The end of the story. There wasn't much to this, this particular No, like story I say, all. I think they tried this to make it an exciting new, you know, James Bond-esque storyline for Martian Manhunter. Who, yeah, sure. But it's not working for no, me, frankly. No, it's not for me either. I bring back Zook. Who's Zook? Oh, his His, his sidekick. little sidekick that talks like Melania Trump. Oh! <laughs> Oh, Manhunter. That doesn't sound like Melania Trump. No. I'm giving up accents. You're giving up Except for Gramps. No, do not give up accents at all. Okay. No, 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 no. Just because one doesn't work out for you tonight doesn't mean you can't get, you should give them all up. You're quite good at the voices. Thank you for the encouragement. That'll be my next certification. Accents. Accents. (laughs) Certified accent. If I could just slow down a little bit when I read, perhaps I wouldn't say, mispronounce words. Well, that's a. We both have goals now, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. You can find us on social media at GoGoCheckPod. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your free podcasts from. And you can find us right back here each and every week, mostly. Learn an important lesson from me, listener. Don't get if, a cat. And if you have a cat, keep things tucked away, like jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anything else that might get like pill bottles. Apparently, they like to bat them around. Oh sure. Oh my goodness. Luckily, I don't have any pills around here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, have a great week, and we look forward to uh, recording next weekend. Yeah. Likewise, I'm sure. Bye. Bye. That's getting better.